I'm Todd Stone with uh, Stone Farm and Ranch in Lovelady, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas, agricultural on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Thanks once again for taking time to join us for another edition of Texas Ag Today. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, Texas farmers have been making their voice heard in Washington with a lot of farm bill hearings recently. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Comments today from a freshman Texas congressman on the importance of agriculture, energy independence, and over-regulation. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have more in my interview with U.S. Representative Nathaniel Moran on Texas Ag Today. The effort to bring a hemp processing plant to Dumas is continuing, but the timeline has gotten a little longer. I'm James Hunt, and we'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today. Coastal Bend farmers and ranchers are looking forward to a great growing season this spring and summer. This is Harvey Buring reporting from the Corpus Christi area. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. There have been a lot of legislative and congressional hearings over the past week and several Texas farmers have stepped up to tell their story. Cody Carson is a farmer in the Panhandle, and he testified Tuesday at a Senate Agriculture Committee subcommittee on commodities, risk management, and trade hearing in Washington. Carson told the subcommittee how the persistent drought is impacting his farm on the Texas High Plains and other regions of the sorghum belt. Sorghum farmers across the Plains state are facing an exceptional drought, and we have been for several years now. Farmers in these states have been hammered with intense drought conditions heading into the harvest of last summer, and those conditions remain as we head into this year's planting season. Out of the hundreds of sorghum acres I planted last year, I literally harvested one field. The Nationals' average sorghum yield was the lowest our industry has seen since the 1960s. Carson says that, along with higher expenses and a volatile market, underscores the need for a stronger farm safety net. While the changes in the 2018 Farm Bill have been helpful, Given the level and speed at which these costs have increased, statutory PLC reference prices are now far too low to provide an effective support in light of the many risk factors we are currently facing. The same is true of marketing loans, which remain an important cash flow tool for farmers, but now they are also low relative to our current risk. Carson says the sorghum reference price and marketing loan rates must be adjusted upward to remain relevant to U.S. sorghum farmers. He also reaffirmed support for the crop insurance program, saying it has been absolutely critical in helping manage the ongoing drought conditions. 
Cotton marketing loans were also discussed in Washington recently. At a House Agriculture Subcommittee on General Farm Commodities, Risk Management, and Credit hearing last week, Texas cotton farmer Sean Holliday told members of Congress the non-recourse marketing loan program for Upland Cotton needs to be updated. Despite higher production costs, the maximum level of the loan rate has remained at 52 cents since 2002. It should be increased to better reflect the cost of productions in recent market prices. Furthermore, various loan repayment provisions should be modernized to better reflect the global market and higher storage and logistics costs. Holliday suggested several improvements. These improvements include allowing storage credits to better reflect actual storage charges, determining a globally competitive adjusted world price based on three lowest international prices, limiting the amount of the annual decline in the cost of market values, creating a 30-day window for finalizing the AWP. Texas cotton farmer Sean Holliday, he's currently serving as chairman of the National Cotton Council. A freshman Texas congressman weighs in on issues important to agriculture. Tom Nicoletti has more from Washington. My guest today is U.S. Representative Nathaniel Moran from Northeast Texas, Tyler to be exact. He is a freshman in Washington representing the 1st Congressional District. Representative, what are your thoughts about the importance of agriculture in your district? Tom, it's vitally important. As I mentioned to the group today in person, the food, fuel, and fiber that really promotes economic growth in America comes from, in large portion, East Texas and West Texas and Central Texas and, frankly, South Texas as well. We're seeing it outside in those rural areas where we are the ones that are providing the ability for every other business in this state and in this nation to grow. We've got to support our farmers. You spoke to a group of farmers and ranchers on Capitol Hill. Another issue important to them and you is energy independence. Absolutely, because if if we cannot gain our energy independence here in America, then the economic dominance that China has over us through uh, Russian fuel in particular is going to drive the foreign policy of other nations. It's going to reduce our ability to open up markets to farmers and ranchers across this world. And we want to see great trade agreements that come to fruition so that our farmers here in America can send and export their goods overseas as needed. Once we take care of our homeland, we can't do that if we're not energy independent. As a freshman congressman, what are your thoughts on reducing regulations on farmers and ranchers in Texas and across the nation? One of my long-term goals here is to reduce that regulatory burden so that your good decisions, my good decisions, the good decisions of the hard-working men and women in the farming and ranching communities and the ag communities across America will determine their future, not the regulatory burdens that are imposed on them that restrict their ability to grow their businesses year after year. That is Texas Congressman Nathaniel Moran. In Washington, I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The effort to bring a hemp processing plant to the Texas panhandle is continuing, but James Hunt tells us the timeline has gotten extended. It looks like the opening of an industrial hemp processing plant in Dumas will occur later than originally planned. I got an update from Kyle Huttenlocker, the CEO of Environmental Living Industries, a company also known by the acronym ELI. Huttenlocker describes some challenges in getting investors lined up. We've seen some tightening in the market. I think everybody's experienced that lately. You can't look at the news without hearing about a bank or something changing. So what that's done for us is uh, it's required us to kind of shift our, our strategy a little bit, really just making us a little stronger, a little sturdier, uh, and work out any uh, potential issues uh, or risks ahead of time. So we actually welcome it. Uh, more specifically, what that means is we, we've decided to build out what we call a golden package for our investors where we secure 
all the contracts, everything from securing the seeds to entering into contracts directly with farmers to getting the contract for the construction and, and design of the building, uh, the equipment itself. So it's just drawn out the timeline a little further. The last bit of that before we can break ground is a few more offtake contracts. And those are the most challenging. Very challenging, it would seem, as what Huttenlocker refers to as offtake contracts essentially involves working to convince customers to buy hemp from Eli even before it has its plant up and running. But Huttenlocker says they've actually had some success in doing just that, in some cases importing hemp from Europe to satisfy some of the initial contracts. So with all that, Huttenlocker says the plan now is to begin operations in Dumas in 2024, a year later than originally planned. In our next report, we'll talk about Eli's work with local farmers. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Coastal Bend farmers and ranchers are looking forward to a great growing season. Harvey Buring has an update from Corpus Christi. Well, the Coastal Bend and its farmers and ranchers are delighted to finally see a change in the weather pattern. A wetter spring is underway down here in the Coastal Bend. That's a real pleasure following a number of consecutive years when we had a extremely dry spring and a rough start to our crop year. Now, April this year provided us with two really great rainfall events that came over a series of days, one early in the month, the other in the latter part of the month. And all in all, most areas around the coastal band received between five and eight inches with a few locations getting over that 10-inch mark. I personally had 7.38 inches over in the western part of Nueces County, which is typically a good bit drier than the eastern portion. Now, corn throughout the area is passling and silking. Pollination will be underway, and excellent ground moisture assures us that we're going to have a decent corn crop if we can avoid a major hail problem which we came close to the other night. Now, there was a little minor hail damage down in the Bishop area, but all in all, the majority of the cropland acres in the coastal Bend region avoided damage from hail. Our sorghum crop is currently growing vigorously. Cotton, which was planted a little later than normal, planted just ahead of the mid-April planting deadline due to those dry Soil conditions that were prevalent during late March is finally growing with this added moisture, and a few producers have had to make applications for weed and some aphid control in a few locations, but all in all, the crop is taking off and growing well. High winds did necessitate many producers doing some rotary hoe work to slow down that sand blowing, but all in all, the crop is off to a good start. Pastures are in excellent condition. Cattle are growing, nursing those baby calves, showing the fact that we could have some very good weaning weights once again here in the coastal bend. Reporting for Texas Ag Today from the coastal bend area, this has been Harvey Buring. Texas waters are warming up, and that means more anglers may try their hand at catching an alligator gar. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I have some tips from the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department coming up on Texas Ag Today. And horses can develop allergies just like humans. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today.
Mass planting season begins across the country. The American Seed Trade Association reminds farmers to follow the basic steps for seed treatment stewardship. Follow directions on seed container labeling. Eliminate weeds in the field prior to planting. Minimize dust by using advanced seed flow lubricants. Be aware of honeybees and hives located near the field. Ensure that any spilled seeds are removed or covered by soil to protect wildlife and the environment. And remove all treated seed left in equipment. For more information, visit seed-treatment-guide.com or contact your seed dealer. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Horses can develop allergies just like humans do. Dr. Bob Judd says allergy testing may be an option for your horse. Allergies are not uncommon in Texas, and some allergies can cause a lot of discomfort for your horse. Many horses are allergic to flying insects, but can also be allergic to environmental pollen like grass, trees, weeds, and even mites. If your vet has ruled out flying insect allergies, allergy testing can help to determine the cause of the allergy. This allows your vet to order a serum specifically for your horse to hyposensitize your horse to the allergen and decrease the allergic response. There are two types of allergy testing, and one type is a blood test that checks for a type of immunoglobulin that is common in the blood in allergic horses. The other type test is a skin test in which a veterinarian injects tiny amounts of many different antigens into your horse's skin and then judges the amount of reaction. It is believed by most dermatologists that the skin test is more accurate, and some veterinarians use both tests. Unfortunately, neither test diagnoses the horse with an allergy. Diagnosing the allergy is a clinical exam by your veterinarian. The allergy tests only show the antigens to which the horse is sensitive. In other words, you could test a horse that did not have allergies, and the test would likely have some positives, but there are no clinical signs. There also can be false negatives on the test, but it is the best option we have available at this time. If the horse is found to have an environmental allergy, it is best to just remove the horse from the source of the allergen. But this is almost impossible if your horse is allergic to oak trees or Bermuda grass, for example. The reason for allergy testing is to determine the specific allergen involved and then make a serum to desensitize the horse to that allergen. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Texas waters are warming up, and that means more anglers may try their hand at catching an alligator gar. Jessica Domel has some gar fishing tips in today's wildlife report. To protect the largest and longest living freshwater species in the state, the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department is sharing a few tips for successfully catching and releasing alligator gar. Dan Dougherty, TPWD's Inland Fisheries Senior Scientist, said catch and release fishing for alligator gar has become quite popular. He said data from a current evaluation in progress shows high survival rates for released fish. They've even recorded some fish being caught and released three or four times over multiple years. If you plan to try your hand at catching one of these massive fish, consider the following key guidelines to maximize the fish's survival. Number one, use non-stainless steel tackle and hooks no longer than 3-0. TPWD says larger hooks are more likely to result in damage to the fish's internal organs, particularly for smaller fish. The department encourages the use of non-stainless steel hooks because the stainless versions have been known to persist in fish for years. Bronze hooks and leaders degrade relatively quickly. Tip number two, whenever possible, try to land the fish on shore rather than on a boat. TPWD says the use of lassos or snares to lift a fish over a boat gunnel may result in 
internal injury to a heavy fish like an alligator gar. If you can, keep the fish in or near the water. Fully support the weight of the fish when you take photos before you release it back into the water and minimize your time handling the fish before you release it. Tip number three, cut the line or leader on a deeply hooked fish. TPWD reports hooks launched behind the mouth cavity of a fish should not be removed because additional damage is often caused attempting to remove it. Long-term survival is more likely if the line or leader is cut and the hook is left in place. The non-stainless steel hooks can degrade relatively quickly and can be more easily shed by an alligator gar. If you plan on trying your hand at catching an alligator gar, be sure to check this year's outdoor annual for this year's regulations. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. A mostly lower trade in the cattle market on Thursday, but the cotton market moved limit up. We'll check out all of Thursday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau Health Plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, visit tfbhealth.com. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The cattle market traded both sides of unchanged in Thursday's trade. We ended up with a mostly lower close on both live and feeder cattle futures. June live cattle dropped 7 cents, 161.57. The August down 12, 159.42. October live cattle down 15 at 163.85. Feeder cattle lower on Oxypt the nearby May. It was up 22 cents, 203.65. The deferreds lower with August down 37, 223.15. September feeders down 7 cents, 226.67. Cash fed cattle markets set early in the week. We had trade as early as Tuesday. 172 was the price this week. That's a buck lower compared to the previous week. Boxed beef prices higher on Thursday. Choice up 13 cents, 309.22. Select up $1.73, 288.85. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Benny Cox, my guest. First day of a two day sheep and goat sale. Benny, how did it go in San Angelo? Oh, we got along pretty good. We sold 6,200. We got about 2,500 left for today. We just couldn't get through it all. They had a decent time and kind of difficult to run sale and work, work these bigger bunches also, you know, with a lack of help. But, you know, when we started out, we had, uh, you know, the market was a little softer, but as we, you know, kind of settled down, I'd say that the, the market on these slaughter nails was near steady, a uh, little softer. Maybe some of the heavier weights might have been a little higher. I just called it near steady. All right, the slaughter use, they were steady. Kid goats, they were weak to about $10 lower. We had a good many more that ranked over that $4 last week. Uh, very few brought over that. Still, a lot of really good goats. We just ended up showing up with about as many goats as I've seen. You know, we've had a 
kind of kind of a pretty low percentage the last month or two. And and uh, yesterday we had a bunch of good, really good top end goats that were real good flesh. Uh, the slaughter nannies they were a little softer. They sell from ninety to one fifty, but mostly one twelve to one thirty six. Your slaughter billies in a range from uh, one seventy to two forty. The wool feeder lambs that we did have, like I say, were very few of those from one sixty to two twenty on some real lightweights. Uh, the slaughter lambs light into those from one ninety all the way up to two forty six, and the heavy weights one fifty to two sixty. On the slaughter ewes, they sell from 80 to 115, mostly 80 to 95. Kid goats range from 250 to 413, but mostly 354 to 376. Now, we had a good many of those milk goat types, and some of those inferior breeds are the kind, you know, they're just not excited about those. They had to bring $2 pound for them. Tell everybody how to contact you, Benny. They can call me on my mobile. It's 325-234-4277. Office, same area code, 653-337-WATCH. Or they can always look at the web, which is producersandcargyle.com. We appreciate you. Thank you. Talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Thank you, folks, too, for listening to Walking the Pins on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm Larry Marble. You're doing so on Texas Ag Today. Back over to the futures market now. We're lean hogs. were lower on Thursday. May hogs down $1.07, 7707 The June down 85 cents at 87.15. Class 3 milk was lower. May milk down 7 cents, 16.69, 100 weight, with June milk down 5 1703 We saw a big jump in the cotton market on Thursday. A very positive export sales report gave the market a big boost. In fact, the July contract limit up 300 points. It closed at 81.76. October cotton up 265 points at 82.16. The December up 236, 81.40. Corn market closed mixed with the nearby contract higher. The deferreds lower. July corn up a half. 589 a bushel. September corn down two and a quarter, 529 and a half. The wheat market getting good support over the last couple of days from increased tensions between Russia and Ukraine. Of course, Russia claiming Ukraine tried to assassinate Vladimir Putin in a drone attack on Tuesday evening. A follow through buying in that today, as well as some short covering, boosting prices once again. July Kansas City wheat up 13 and a quarter, 798 and a quarter. July Chicago wheat up five and a quarter at 6.45 a bushel. In the energy markets, June natural gas down seven, 209. June West Texas crude down 18 cents, 68.42 a barrel. The financial markets lower Thursday afternoon. The Dow down 296 points, 33,118. The Nasdaq down 53 at 11,966. The S&P down 30 at 4,062. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A., Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.